We'll take a few moments. Ten minutes, let's take, for questions. Thank you, Brother Danielson. All right. Is repeating from memory the Lord's Prayer a vain repetition which is worthless? No, Jesus was speaking about those who repeat and repeat in praying to build up merit. If God is so loving, why does he let all this crime and terrible things go on? He isn't going to let it go on much longer. You see, there's a prince of the power of the air, and he claims the world is his. Uh, two or three sermons could be preached on this, but never forget that when questions like this arise, Calvary is the answer. God is so full of love that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. Jesus did not have to die. He could have blotted the universe out of existence had he chosen to. The fact that God would give his son to die for even one person shows that he's loving. Therefore, there must be some reason why he permits the crime to continue as long as it does. Satan has professed and claimed that he can carry on a better government than God. It's a long Bible study. This is just a little introduction to it. And God has given him an opportunity. Men and women will be crying out, thanking God when sin and crime are ended. Remember, Satan is the one that has the power of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. How grand do you think heaven is? Oh, my. Can you give a little insight in the idea of the 144,000? The 144,000, I have never taken too much time. I, in fact, I take no time in arguing who they are. I pray the Lord will help me to be in that number. Amen. That's the important thing. The Bible says, in their mouth was found no guile. They're without fault before the throne of God. That's found in, in, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 5. That's what I want to do. If I have no guile in my heart, if God has cleansed me from sin, I will leave the actual composition of the 144,000 to him. Christ is coming soon. Could you tell me how soon is soon? He says he'll come suddenly, unexpectedly. No man knows the day or the hour. But he does say, occupy till I come. When I was a boy, we thought the Lord would come within five years. I've never in my own heart ever put his coming off more than five years. But occupy till he comes. If I should die tonight, or if he should come this year, praise the Lord. What can a person do to make things right with fellow man, such as cheating, stealing, and so forth, when fear of consequences continually plagues him, and because of continual following, falling and sinfulness, he feels severed from, from farther, farther and farther from Christ? You know, this is one of the things that I've noticed. When a person accepts, it, accepts Jesus Christ, one of the first desires is to make wrongs right. Like the book of Ezekiel says, if the man restore the pledge, return that which he hath robbed, and so on. Now, the thief couldn't restore anything, the thief on the cross. Could he have gotten down from the cross? You know what he would have done, don't you? You see. Now, here is somebody who is afraid of the consequences. We have in a book that we hope to bring out sometime in the future, the, a wonderful story of a boy who, had, who was a real criminal, had been a criminal for years. When he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and became a Seventh-day Adventist, or a little before he became a Seventh-day Adventist, he consulted with a minister of another church, and the minister said, forget all about it. Later, he consulted with a Seventh-day Adventist minister, and the Seventh-day Adventist minister said, do what God says. Do all within your power to make wrongs right. He knew that it might involve jail for many, many years. So he claimed a promise of God's presence. He went down back to New Orleans, where he had been the criminal, and God stuck by his side. Every place he went to forgave him. He went in before the judge and confessed his sin, and the judge had a group of men there listening, and the judge said, this man doesn't need any more rehabilitation, does he? <laughs> if you don't know how to return, how to restore, 
Claim a promise like Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need. Ask God to supply the strength, to supply the courage, you see, to make wrongs right. However, there is a caution here. I've known of men who have been unfaithful to their wives. The wife never knew it. They felt it was their duty to go and tell the wife all the sordid things they'd ever committed. Steps to Christ says that the confession should be as, as far as the knowledge of the sin. Now, I don't believe that this necessarily means in restoring what we've taken away. Many people restore by, by sending the money through a, an anonymous channel. I tell men, if you've been lived a bad life, give your heart to Jesus Christ and don't tell anybody about it. One man came to one of my meetings, he'd molested his little stepdaughter. He thought he was to go back and confess to his wife, and he did. And she wanted to kill him all night. Confession was never made to make matters worse. God is a, a very honest, a very reasonable God. Ask God to help us to have complete victory and don't go around telling a lot of people a lot of things that will only make them sad, see? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We'd be glad to talk to you alone if you'd like. I don't believe there is a true religion. Every religion praises God. Is that wrong? And how can you show me that yours is the true religion? I'm not going to try to prove it to you. <laughs> I'm, not going to try. I'm not going to argue with anybody. If, uh, if, if you come to the conclusion my religion is good religion, take it. If you don't, I'm not going to force it on you. True education is not forcing instruction on an unready and unreceptive mind. Education, page 41. It follows Jeremiah, uh, Joshua 24, 15. Choose you. Until you believe that I have a better religion than you have, don't take my religion. Don't take it. If you'd be taking it, somebody would be forcing you to take it. Take the religion as God reveals it to you. The fact that I may have the true religion doesn't mean that you immediately know all about it or that God has revealed it all to you. But it does mean I have no business forcing it on you. Is there a promise that will open someone's heart to the Lord? Yes. Yes. Now, this is very important. When I claim a promise that God will save a soul, I am to obey seven laws as we have outlined them. They're not arbitrary dogmatic. Laws of soul winning, laws of communication. Because unless this person accepts Christ, Christ will not compel him, you see. He will not compel him to accept Christ. But I can do things as I claim a promise that will excite in him a desire to possess what I found in Christ. Hosea 2.14, Jesus said, I will allure her. Did you know that the Christian has a duty and an obligation and a privilege to make to show Christ is so beautiful and so lovely that it will allure the sinner? And going along with Hosea 2.14 is Desire of Ages, page 826. Listen to this. It's beautiful. Speaking of Christ, his blessings he presents in the most alluring terms. He's not content to merely announce these blessings, but he presents them in the most attractive way to excite a desire to possess them. So as I pray that the Lord will help somebody to open his heart, I pray, Lord, help me to present Jesus in, in all of his beauty so that they will see something that will cause them to want to open their heart. Do you see? One of the promises I claim is, is Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will.
Thank you. Can I get a copy of 3,573 prophecies? Yes, indeed you can. It's right in the Bible here. Be sure and get a Bible as soon as you can. <laughs> Thank you. Now, if you'd like to get them classified, they're in a little book out there. I think they ran out of them the other night. God's Promises Solve My Problems. We've classified in 320 pages not all the promises, but pertinent ones for pertinent problems, specific problems. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall. Fasten securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face. And we thank thee in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible contains at least how many promises? 3,573. And I get thrilled every once in a while. Somebody comes along and says, there are more than that. I say, praise the Lord. I believe it too. <laughs> and they act like I never knew it. <laughs> Every command is a promise. When we're success-minded, Christ-centered. You see? Every command has the life of Jesus Christ to fulfill it. And everything God ever did for a human being, he will do for any other human being with like faith under like circumstances. Those are all promises. The A of claiming the promises, Jesus told what it is. What is it? Ask. Where is the text? Matthew 7, 7. And Jesus said, if you ask, it will be what? Does it scare you to think that salvation is a free gift? That eternal life is a free gift? Forgiveness is a free gift? Ask, and it shall be given you. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just simple enough to believe that when God promises victory, he'll fulfill his promise and do it freely. How many agree? Let's see your hands. Praise the Lord. He promises it. What is the B of claiming promises? Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Why do we believe that we shall receive them? Because God cannot lie. Oh, yes, there are conditions. We have two Two lessons out of the ten that deal with conditions. And what is the C of claiming Bible promises? Claim it or receive it. Where is it? Matthew 21, 22. All things that you ask in prayer believing, you shall receive. That has to mean something. Don't you say so? And our favorite author in the book, Education, pages 253 to 258, spells out the meaning. I cannot possibly ask, believe, and claim anything unless it's based on God's promises, then that takes the guesswork out of prayer. I quote Education 258. In the prayer of faith, there's a divine science. It is a science that everyone who would make his life work a success must understand. Don't you want your life work to be a success? Indeed you do. And we're told here that we can learn this beautiful science. And then, after giving the ABCs, we find this tremendous statement. In fact, there are three choice statements by our favorite author that you will love very much. They're in our lessons. The first one is found in the book, Education, page 258, and it's based on these texts. The Bible is always the authority. I quote my favorite author after the Bible is authority. Education, page 258. Anybody think you know it? For any what? Anybody remember? For any gift that he has promised, we may ask. 
I'm quoting, then we are to believe that we receive and return thanks to him that we have received. Did, did you notice how it starts? For any gift that he's promised. How many promises in the Bible do I have a right to claim? Any gift that he's promised. Somebody said, Brother Kuhn, what makes you say it? I don't say it. I'm quoting it. God inspired this person to, to write it. I believe every word that was ever written by my favorite author. Every word. I believe it. I've tested this author by God's immutable, eternal, impeccable word, and I believe that God spoke through that author. I know it. I'm satisfied. I'm thrilled with the writings. And one of the statements is, any gift that he's promised, I may ask. I'm not belittling it. I'm not lessening its force. I'm just trusting it. Any gift that he's promised, we may ask. Another one that goes with it is Desire of Ages, page 200, speaking of the nobleman. And it says, in effect, the same thing. So we may ask for these blessings and believe that we receive them and return thanks that we have received. Steps to Christ says the same thing, page 51. So we may ask for these blessings. We're to believe that we receive them and return thanks to God we have received. For any gift that he's promised, we may ask. Let me ask you this. On what basis do you, 4,000 years after Abraham lived, on what basis do you have a right to claim a promise God made to Abraham? Come on now. How do you know it's not presumption for you to claim a promise God made to Abraham? God is no respecter of persons. Acts 10, 36, is God is no respecter of persons. And if ye be Christ's, Galatians 3, 27 to 29, if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the what? So any promise God made to Abraham, under like conditions and like faith, I may claim today. That's what the Bible says. If I belong to Christ, Anything that God promised Abraham under like conditions and with the like faith, I have a right to claim. What about the promises God made to Isaiah? Well, Isaiah found his only in Christ, and in Christ I have a right to claim anything that God promised to Isaiah under like conditions and with the like faith. How many agree? So there it is, a book full of 3,573 promises plus the extra ones that you found. After my wife and I had this $6,000 answer to prayer, not long afterward, we're moved. Can you imagine that? We're moved all the way from Rochester, New York, to Madison College, where I served as pastor. For 12 years, we're praying God would help us to sell that farm. For 12 years. You know what we're doing for 12 years? We're committing the how and the when to the Lord. But we're saying, Lord, supply our needs. And all we need is food and raiment and so on. And God did it. At the end of 12 years, we found why it was. Oh, yes, the old devil tempted us for all he's worth. Had we sold that farm immediately, every penny, and I say it wisely, almost every penny we would have made, we'd have turned into the Lord's cause, where we made it a practice. But because we had to economize, we only turned in a quarter of our income. And we economized, we out ate out of a corn popper part of the time. For months, we cooked in a corn popper. Did you ever try that as a nice stove to cook in? It didn't hurt us any. It was good for us. 
person thinks, oh, poor me, pity poor me. Pity me nothing. There are millions starving. Thank God for what he's doing for us. At the end of the 12 years, we sold the place. We had enough money to pay off for all our debts and buy a little retirement place back up in the mountains in Tennessee. I said, thank you, Lord. You knew how to do it. I'm glad I committed the how and the when to God. What do you say? You see? Don't think that you've got to start regimenting God and saying, Lord, you must do it. He's infinite in wisdom and infinite in love. Calvary proves it. After we went to Madison College, we said we're going to share it with the world. Right away, a young couple came in my home, knocked at the door, came into my little home. He said, uh, Pastor, we've, we're both backslidden. Can you help us? I said, yes, I'll tell you about the promises. And I opened to Hosea 14, 4. I will heal their backsliding. I can't figure any reason in the world why they didn't have a right to claim that promise. Can you? I will love them freely, for my anger's turned away. I told them how they could ask and believe and claim. Less than one hour later, they walked out of that place renewed, reconverted children of God. I thank God for his promises. I thank God for the God of the promises. I thank God for Calvary that makes them sure. What do you say? One after another came to us. He said, my, this is wonderful, marvelous. I remember one day, I had the privilege of tying the knot. You know what that means. Witnessing the marriage of a young man who had been in service. He came back out of service to get married. I still enjoy tying knots. I've been invited to tie a lot of knots recently. I couldn't even get there. It's too many hundreds of, hundreds of miles. I really enjoy it very much. Do you, Elder Dewald? I enjoy tying knots. One minister told me he preferred uh, conducting funerals. I said, why is that? He said, well, that's the end of their trouble. I said, I still enjoy tying knots. <laughs> After I witnessed their marriage, the young fellow came to me and he said, uh, Pastor, he said, as you know, my mommy has been a member of the church for 20 years or more. Daddy wants to be a member of the church. He said, but there's one thing holding Daddy back. He said, Daddy smokes, and every time he stops smoking, he has the nosebleed. His nose bleeds so profusely that until he smokes again, the bleeding continues. I'd never heard of a thing like that, never heard of it since either. And he said, Mother says, Honey, don't try, you'll bleed to death. You never can quit. He said, My father's coming over to see you in a few days. But he said, Daddy is very, very timid. He said, You'll kind of help him into the subject. So I said, okay. A few days later, in, I thought of his daddy, my timid man, you know, one of these little weak men, about five, in, five foot, one inch and a quarter, you know. And a few days later, in he walked into our driveway, great big two-story double-chested giant. <laughs> and he introduced himself, and we talked about the weather a little. You know, that's one thing you can gossip about. When you're tempted to belittle people, talk about the weather. The most you'll get is a blow. So we talked about the weather a little. I said, come right into the apartment. We'll have a chat. And we got right into the subject. And I said, brother, you can have victory in the next hour. Next half an hour. I forget what I said. <laughs> that was about it. And I opened my Bible to Matthew 7, 7. What does it say, friends? Ask, and it shall be what? Given unto you. I said, victory, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and this text, victory is a gift. Jesus paid for it. Is that presumption? 
Is it presumption to believe that Jesus Christ, who, who died to give me victory over sin, will make it as a gift, will offer it, and will keep his word? Is that presumption? I said, don't get the impression you've got to work for it. Your fight is a fight of faith, not a fight of works. And I gave him many case histories of others who had asked and what? Believed and what? Reached right up and taken hold of it. Thank you, I've received because the gift is in the promise. I said, now we're going to kneel in prayer and we're going to ask God to give you victory. He's promised. You're redeemed not with corruptible things, but of incorruptible by the blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I said, and when we get up from our knees, after we've asked and we've believed and received, I'm going to shake your hand. And I'm going to put, put a question to you, and the question will go something like this. Brother blank, not because you feel it, but because God has promised, has he delivered you? And I wanted to say it that way. Our favorite author puts it that way in the book Steps to Christ. You see, we're never to depend on feeling. Never to depend on feeling. We depend on God. We depend on Christ. We depend on God's word. We depend on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We depend on Calvary love and creation power. We don't depend on feeling. Don't worry, God will give the feeling. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and so on. The joy will come, ask and receive, and your joy will be what? John 16, 24. But don't depend on the feeling. Depend on God's word. He will take care of the feeling. If you feel good in Christ, praise the Lord. If you don't feel good, remember the devil deals in feeling. God deals in facts. Calvary is a fact. Redemption is a fact. The blood of Jesus is a fact. Promised forgiveness is a fact. Promised eternal life is a fact. And let God be true and every man a liar. Whether you feel good or whether you feel bad, it does not change God. It does not change his word. So I'm going to say, brother, not because you feel it, but because God has promised it. Have you received victory? And you're going to say, yes, sir. Romans 10.10, for with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You are to use what God has given you. Use your lips to declare it. Use your heart to believe it. Purely on the basis of God's word. We prayed. We got up. I shook his hand. <laughs> and, and as I shook the man's hand, I said, Brother, not because you feel it, but because God has promised it. Has he given you deliverance over tobacco? And you know what he said? And I'll tell you what he said, and I'll tell you how he said it. Yes. It was just as quiet and just as businesslike as though the man had, had uh, walked up to the counter of a, of a market, grocery. He said, I'll take a dollar's worth of bananas. And the man gives him a dollar's worth of bananas, and he hands the dollar bill over. He doesn't jump all over the place and say, Wonderful, I got a dollar's worth of bananas. No, he doesn't have to do that. He gets the bananas not on the basis of jumping around. He gets the bananas on the basis of a business transaction. And my friends, forgiveness is a business transaction. Second Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. He made Christ. Christ was made sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He takes my sins and gives me his righteousness. That's a business transaction. But you know, the fact that he acted so quiet <laughs> filled me with some alarm. 
I didn't know whether he was just doing what I suggested or whether it came from his heart. How could I know? And I was really concerned. I thought, if I let this man go, and maybe he doesn't know what it's all about. So I was praying for wisdom. Pray for wisdom and pray for the Holy Spirit as you talk to people about Jesus. That way it keeps our own words down to minimum and God's word to the maximum. Our faith to the minimum and our, and our doubt. Our faith to the maximum and our doubt to the minimum, you see. Right away the Lord impressed me. Go home with him. And on the way home, keep emphasizing how God's given him victory. And when he gets home, tell his wife because the wife, the wife can, can saturate him with doubt. So I said, brother, I'm going home with you. Tell your wife about the wonderful victory God's given you. And you know what he said? Fine. Faith is not feeling. God is God no matter how you feel about it. Salvation is salvation no matter how you feel about it. Never mind that I do get excited. I greatly admire a man who can talk softly, and I determine I will, and then I get all excited. But I have some hope because I find people do out on the baseball diamond. And if they can get excited over that one little round thing about the size of your fist going 400 feet, if they can, professors and doctors and PhDs and psychiatrists can get excited because a ball went 400 feet, I can get excited because Jesus Christ came down past stellar worlds and planets and systems and died on Calvary for me. I can get excited and I can't help it. <laughs> so you'll forgive me if I act it, will you? Thank you. On the way home, I got worried again. When we get back home, his wife, she's talked doubt so long to that man, she's liable to talk doubt and saturate both him and me with doubt. And I began to pray. This man didn't know what I was doing. I was praying, Lord, give me wisdom. And she was a great talker. She could talk like a magpie. And you know when a person mixes fast talking with doubt, that's a, that's a whirly gig. And I said in my heart, Lord, when I get there, help me to talk faster than a woman. I still remember it. I'd done it before, I've done it since. And I felt reassurance. When we walked into the house, he led the way. There she was standing, right in the middle of the front, in the middle of the front room. And I started. Did I start? Sister Blank, rejoice with us. God has just given your husband tremendous victory over tobacco. And that woman stood speechless. I'd spellbound her. She just stood there and just looked at me. And really, it was amusing. You know, in the most serious things, there's some amusing things. She stood there. It reminded me of, of a deer somebody said they killed up in the North Woods. I saw two fawn down a little bit ago this evening. They said they killed a deer, and the deer was so well-poised, after they shot the deer dead, that deer was so well-poised, it didn't know which way to drop. It stood there for a second, just like that. And that's the way that lady looked at me, just like she'd been shot dead. And she, she was spellbound, and the way she looked, it spellbound me. And can you imagine my not talking? <laughs> and she didn't talk, and I didn't talk. But I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit was doing some talking. And after a few seconds, she talked very slowly, very deliberately, very seriously, most sincerely. She said, Pastor, I wish while God's giving victory, he'd give me victory. I said, give you victory? She'd been a member for 20 years and more. Give you victory over what? I wonder if anybody here tonight has ever heard of the term coffee heart. 
Medical doctors tell us that coffee in some cases hurts the human heart more than tobacco in some other cases. She said, Pastor, I've been a member of the church for 20 years. When I, when I say what I've said, my wife and I do not drink coffee. We do not drink tea. We do not take Coca-Cola. That doesn't make us a Christian. Christ makes us his. She said, Pastor, don't think I haven't tried. She said, I've tried for 20 years to stop drinking coffee. She said, I've been very sincere. She said, there's been many an altar call in our church. We've been invited to the front to fall on our knees and ask God for victory. Every time I've gone up, every time I've agonized with God, she said, every time I've gone back home and drunk another cup of coffee. And she said, the coffee pot is in the back of my stove 24 hours out of the day. And every time I've ever, for 20 years, ever gone to the altar and prayed for victory, I've gone right back home and drunk another cup of coffee, and I kept right on doing it. But don't think I haven't tried. I have literally wept and agonized before God. And then I filled her in with this, and you like it. By the way, <clears throat> the ABCs of prayer, how many parts to the ABCs of prayer? A is one, B is two, and C is three. I said to her, when you were up there at the front, agonizing, you were asking God for victory, weren't you? She said, was I? Now, how much of prayer is it when we ask God? How much of the prayer of reception? It's one-third. I said, while you were there on your knees pleading with God, did you tell the Lord you believed? And did you thank him you'd received? And did you reach right up and take it? And you ought to have seen the expression on that lady's face. Why? She said, no, of course not. <laughs> of course not? Of course what? You mean that we have a right to pray one-third of a prayer when Jesus Christ has given us the science of prayer? To not merely ask, but to take God at his word and believe the Christ of Calvary. And thank God the gift is in the promise in his own mysterious way. I said, she said, was I supposed to do that? <laughs> was I supposed to receive it? I said, indeed you were. I said, let me illustrate. And I reached into my purse and I picked out a $5 bill. And brother, Steve, would you help me? Thank you. This is a dollar bill. You don't mind, don't you? Do you? This is a dollar bill. Would you take that, Brother Steve? And I said, now, suppose your son, this lovely son that was just married, suppose he came home and he was in great want. He was destitute. And he fell down on his knees before you, and he literally begged of you, Mommy, please give me a $5 bill. And you held it out, just like Brother Steve is holding this out to me. And your son, in a very graceful, lovely way, puts his hands behind his back. And he begins to ask and ask and ask and ask. What would you like to have him do? Would you like to have him believe you? Well, yes, I would. Would you like to have him reach up and... What would you like to have him do? She said, I'd want him to receive it. Just like that. Thank you. I said, sister, for 20 years, God has been handing to you victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you've had your hands behind your back. And I said it kindly. Because we must be very careful not to belittle anyone. You've been holding your hands behind your back, praying one-third of a prayer. I didn't say it in these words. This is the thought. Then I gave her case histories of how we can ask, and then do what? Believe. And then what? Thank God we have received, because the gift is in the promise. And after I covered these case histories, we fell on our knees. You know what we did? What do you think we did? We ask. What do you think we did then? We believed. Is it a sin to believe God? 
Is it a sin to take God's victory through Jesus Christ? And then you know what we did? <laughs> we thanked God we'd received it. I got up from my knees and I thought, now, this isn't the end. Brother Steve, would you come again? When we rose from our knees, I thought, now, now I'm her pastor. How is the lady going to learn unless I teach her? She already knew about the millennium. A whole thousand years. She needed to know about Jesus today. She knew about 2,300 days. She needed to know about today. She knew about 70 weeks. She needed to know about this week. What do you say? So I shook her hand. I said, Sister Blank, not because you feel it, but because God has promised it. Have you received victory? And this is what she said. She said, And you know what she was doing? You know what she was doing, brother? She was fighting the fight of faith. The devil was saying, don't take it unless you feel it. God was saying, take it because God cannot lie. There's a wide difference. Finally, she said, yes. I let go. Before she could take a step away, I shook her hand again. Not because you feel it, I smile into her face. Because we don't want to belittle anybody. We're out to save people through the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not because you feel it, but because God has promised it. I wanted her to know that feeling has nothing to do with it. It's God's immutable, eternal, impeccable word. Has he given you victory? Have you received it? Came a little easier. She said, uh, 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 yes. And I let go again. I shook hands a third time. You know, it didn't cost me anything to shake hands with that dear lady three times. It didn't cost me anything to coach her in the way of God. What do you say? I said, Sister, once again. And I smiled so she would know I wasn't belittling her. Not because you feel it, but because God has promised. Have you received victory through Jesus Christ? She said, Yes, sir. I said, You have it. Thank you. The next Sabbath morning, I walked into church one door through one door. She walked through another. And when her eyes met mine, that lady almost started running to meet me. Ask, and ye shall receive, and your joy will be what? There is feeling, but don't depend on the feeling. Depend on God. Elder, pastor, she said, it works, pastor, it works. Not a drop has escaped my lips. Quite some time later, when my wife and I were called to another church, church there had a farewell for us, and during the farewell, my wife and I were sitting there as the honored guests, of course. During a little break in the meeting, I saw somebody walking around kind of the edge of the hall. It was this lady, her face beaming. She came up to where my wife and, and I were. She said, Pastor, do you happen to remember one day, quite some time ago, you came to my house? I said, Sister, I could never forget it. She said, Pastor, not one drop has escaped my lips from that day to this. This is the format of victory in Jesus Christ. The trouble with so many of us is we're asking, 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 asking. It's all right to ask. Our favorite author says we should keep on asking. But we should also keep on what? Believing, believing, believing. Husbands, tell your wives you believe in Jesus. Wives, tell your husbands you believe in Jesus. Young people in the dormitories in the home... Don't be afraid to tell another young person, I believe Jesus. He loves me no matter what I have done. 
He has forgiven me because I believe in him I have received. And my friends, it means a world. It means a world. A week passed, the man hadn't touched tobacco. A month passed. I check on these people. He hadn't touched it, and his wife hadn't. Three months passed, four months, five months. God had given him victory because he dared to look to Christ, the Christ of Calvary. Our Father in heaven, tonight as we sit here, we've heard for many years, Lord, the truth of the last plagues that are coming in this time of trouble and the closing events, all of which are biblical and true and should be known. But dear Lord, if anybody here tonight has not known the three-third prayer of asking and believing God and receiving the gift, may that one tonight say, Lord, tonight is my night. When Satan points to their sins like scarlet, may they point to God's word. Though your sins be as scarlet, feeling or no feeling, they are white as snow. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.